I'm Pastor Mike Winger, and this is Bible Thinker, the program dedicated to thinking biblically about everything. I think sure. our positions are kind of um, before we shift. I like to share one thing, three, though. Right? Sure. Um, I feel and uh, I feel that you're being inconsistent because you said that we really got Peter or, or Paul saw a vision and I'll definitely fight you on that and say that Paul thought he saw the physical risen Jesus. And, and if we can use acts, I can make that even stronger. Um, but that's one issue. And I'd love to talk to you about it, but also you then said, Peter's just one guy, just one, one dude had like this kind of crazy vision. The other guys had sort of mass hysteria and Peter maybe led them in that. No, but I don't you think the also other guys said, anything. let I me, think they ran away. Well, let me finish this point. Go, sorry. Yeah, let me finish this point if I can. Um, and then I'll totally hear you out. But um, yep. but then you also said, if, at first, you know, Peter's the only guy, but you also said that you granted James and Jude that they had some sort of vision type experience where they thought they saw Jesus too. So you, you've you given me at least three guys. Then later you said there was only one. I don't actually think they saw anything. I, I think they believe, I think they, they professed they saw something. But... Uh, and again, so they, again, they at least they believed that they saw something. Mm. I don't even know. I, as, I, as I said in my opening statement, either they were lying or they think that they saw something. And, and mass hysteria would, be, would very easily fit into, you know, why Peter could convince other people that Jesus was alive. So does mass hysteria um, usually continue to hold ground in people's lives years down the road while they're being threatened with death? It does when it gets reinforced, and uh, you you brought up so okay we'll go there first. So um, what I know you've talked about, you know this is good evidence that you know that they were threatened with death. Um, where would what's what are your sources that any of those people uh, either died as martyrs or mm -hmm. didn't recant, did recant, could have saved their lives if they could have recanted? What are what are your sources for that? So, um, well, for one, we do have the book of Acts, right? The book of Acts is, is and, and you said that they weren't trying to record history, but Luke actually says in the beginning of Luke and, and then in Acts that he's trying to give a careful account. He says in the beginning of Luke that he's talked to eyewitnesses and that he's gathered their accounts mm. to compare them and have a, a faithful account. I, I see the look on your face. I could, I'll just read it to you guys. So in Luke chapter one, he says, um, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accom accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So he's received this from eyewitnesses. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. So at least the claim in Luke, and he writes Acts as well, right? The claim is that he's writing a historically accurate account based on eyewitness testimony and his long following of all of these stories. He then in Acts seems to indicate that he's traveling with Paul when he occasionally is talking about we. Um, so, so in Acts, we have the story about um, multiple stories about the persecution, the following of, of Jewish uh, um, persecutors, how they followed Paul, how they threatened Peter, said don't, don't speak about the resurrection in the name of Jesus anymore, and they just kept going and going. So that's just that's sure, one but, source. But, okay, but, but that's, you're talking about Peter and Paul again, uh, and also... And Stephen, who was martyred, Herod, Herod um, is, and Stephen, uh, was, Stephen wasn't one of the ten um, or twelve. And yeah, he was better because he was converted as a result of his vision. Herod. Herod killed in your mind. Vision. Herod, Herod, um, Herod killed one person in Acts. 
uh, was it James? Um, Steven gets killed. We actually have verification for James uh, in, and I watched a video you did where you talked about the death of the apostles and you actually missed some of these earliest sources. You talked about like, like Thomas. Yeah, for some of the apostles, we don't have great sources on their martyrdoms. We do have really good information oh. about the persecution that just disciples in general were experiencing. The, uh, in fact, for instance, Paul is taking um, uh, offerings to the church in Jerusalem of several years down the road, 20 years later, because they've been impoverished by the persecution and things that they've been suffering. Um, so like just things like right, that, again, they go, that's, Hey, that's, that's Paul. We have a lot of information about Paul who, you know, wasn't there when Jesus rose. Well, that's about the, the 12 who were in, or at least the ones that were in Jerusalem where Peter started out, you know, and where they all started out. Um, but in first Clement, which is written about 97 AD, um, he writes about those who suffered unto death. He talks about Peter and Paul and he implies their martyrdom. Um, we also read about it in Polycarp. Polycarp mentions the suffering of Paul and then includes the rest of the apostles as he talks about their suffering. Um, according to Irenaeus and uh, Tertullian, Clement had actually seen the apostles and fellowshiped with them, particularly Peter. So we have sources that are close to them right, that but, talk but about Paul, their Polycarp suffering. Nor... But Polycarp doesn't see the 12, right? He just says the disciples. Polycarp um, says the, the rest of the apostles. So the apostles would refer right, to, which... would refer to the, the, the 12, and it may include guys like Paul, Barnabas, um, you know, Luke, possibly. Right. And why do, you know, why, why do I think that's important? I guess, you know, you probably, you know where I'm. Well, you asked for historical records that confirmed the suffering yeah. of the apostles who, who carried right. the testimony and, and that they've because, seen the you know, Jesus. Is, and because you use that as, as an evidence, right? You use that as an evidence to say, um, because they, they would have recanted or they, they may have, you know. It just shows that they really meant it, death. you know? It shows that they really so, did believe that they saw Jesus alive after death. They really believed it. But do we know? But do we know that any of that happened to them? Like we just don't have great sources. Well, to, to no, say. we have we have really good sources. Josephus talks about no, James, no. how he was, how he was killed, how he was taken um, up, and they they cast him off the temple and they stoned him to death. Um, uh, John likely a. a, a is a reference to Peter's martyrdom in John 21. It talks about Jesus. Jesus is talking to Peter in this passage. Now you may think John made it all up, right? but John is, I, I, if he's, if he's making it up, he's making it up based upon Peter's actual crucifixion because of the way Jesus describes what will happen to Peter in the future. Well, but, yeah, well, I, don't, I don't grant that. And it, it, it sounds like the stories that happened to Peter were based on um, the stories that, that ha of what happened to Peter being, you know, I don't know if you think he was hung upside down and that he was, you know, or crucified you know, the way Jesus was and whether Jesus actually visited him and berated him or not, uh, you know, in, in, was it the gospel? Oh, yeah, I'm just saying in John 21, Jesus gives a statement, is recorded by John as giving a statement to Peter about his death. And it says, um, he's, Jesus says, John 21, 18, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And then John interprets it, says this, he said to show him by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So now, you know, right. I, as a Christian, I go, Jesus is actually predicting to Peter how he will die so he can prepare himself for it. Maybe as a non-Christian or as a historian, someone might say, okay, well, Obviously, John knew about the crucifixion of Peter or however Peter died, stretched out, somehow died. 
for his faith, and then he writes it into the text. Either way, that's historical evidence for Jesus or for Peter being crucified. Combine that with Acts and the fact that he was warned multiple times, put in prison, beaten, to just stop preaching that Jesus was resurrected. And that means that Peter really meant it. It wasn't just like a psychotic break moment. You know, this was like really convinced along with many others I, I could, that I, he saw Jesus. And I think I'm, I think you, I think I've granted you kind of that Peter and Paul, you know, the story makes full sense if Peter and Paul, those two guys, believed what they thought they saw. I think, you know, the whole story mm -hmm. still works, even if they're mistaken. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can add to that list James, and I can add to that list John, who in Mark, um, Jesus, again, he's predicting how they'll die, that they will, they will be uh, baptized with the baptism he's baptized with, they'll drink the cup that he's drinking, and this is speaking of their future demise. Now, you again, you could say Mark fabricated that after the fact, but it means it's after the fact that they actually suffered and died for what they believed. Well, sure, but I would also so we have multiple that, eyewitnesses. But James and Mark weren't in I'm a sorry, position Paul, to know whether... James and Mark didn't actually see resurrected Jesus. So um, they were not in... Well, we don't know what, we don't know what Mark saw. But uh, James and John sure, are the ones we don't I was have, referring to. So, um, you know, and along with that, we actually also have no, so sure, we know how, if we, if we grant how they died, we still don't even know, or do we know, do we have evidence um, that they could have changed their fates if they recanted? Or, you know, how would we know that, how would we know if they did or didn't recant? Do we, do we know that they had this opportunity? Um, I think that, I think that it's reasonable. And, and this is like you said, historians, they work on levels of reasonable things. You know, it's reasonable to believe that they knew after experiencing various imprisonments and attacks from different people being followed and tracked down, um, you know, that they knew that if they would stop preaching this Jesus stuff, that they'd be fine. It was, it was initially primarily Jewish persecution that came upon them. Years down the road, it was primarily Roman persecution that came upon them. And all they had to do was stop preaching this Jesus stuff, um, and it would have ended. So they knew that. I mean, they weren't do dummies. Do we know that, though? <laughs> do, do we, I think that, like, I think that I guess, we, yeah, I think we know that I know in a reasonable we're inferring sense. It. Yeah. We're inferring it, uh -huh. but we don't, like, we can't add, I guess I was just asking if you had any more evidence to add to the case that, that, that we know for so sure I, that this... I, was the thing that happened. I'll reiterate, uh, you know, in Acts, in, uh, in, in, in not only we have the, the, the statements about the disciples being, you know, attacked, beaten, threatened, told, you know, Acts chapter three, he's like, they're like, don't be preaching this Jesus stuff anymore. Uh, when Paul goes out, uh, they stone him. He goes back in to the same city again. These are the stories. Now you may think they're overblown, but they have a historical core. Even if you don't think the Bible's trustworthy, there's some historical core this is coming from. Luke's not just fabricating stories. The mythicist, I know you're not a mythicist, but the mythicist side of things is just honestly very naive about the history we're looking at. Right. But I guess where my case hinges upon is that I, I totally grant that early Christians probably suffered a lot of, you know, uh, persecution. But we just don't really know that the people... There's no specific evidence that the people who were able to discern whether this was truth or not, we don't have evidence that they are the ones who are being persecuted. Okay, that, okay. so let me, let me read people. to you if I can. 
This is from Clement of Rome, okay? Because this is something that we're kind of going back and forth on. Clement of Rome, this is in like about 97 AD, and he writes this about Peter and Paul. He says, because of envy and jealousy, the greatest and most righteous pillars have been persecuted and contended unto death. Let us set the good apostles before our eyes. Peter, who because of unrighteous envy endured not one or two, but many afflictions, and having borne witness, went to the due glorious place. Because of envy and rivalries, steadfast Paul pointed to the prize, seven times chained, exiled, stoned, having become a preacher both in the East and in the West, we received honor, uh, he received honor fitting for his faith, having taught the righteousness to the whole world, um, unto the boundary unto which the sun sets, having testified in the presence of the leaders. Thus he was freed from the world and went to the holy place. He became a great example of steadfastness. We read about um, Paul's imprisonment in Rome. We read about Jewish uh, assassins, you know, vowing to not eat unless they kill Paul. Um, we, we read about the specific threats from the opponents. We, we have the example of Jesus who was crucified because of his claims. Everything that we, we read about is 100% consistent. Do you have even one source, one source that suggests that, they, that any of this is not true? I'm actually going to pull the reaction, Peter and Paul. Like that's, I guess, where I, that was my question was, do we know about anyone other than Peter and Paul? Do we have good evidence that they... Mm -hmm even went along with this, that they were even telling people that Jesus was alive. Like you're using that as a point that the 12 disciples mm -hmm. died for this and believed it to, to the point of being suffered. And I'm saying other than Peter and Paul, we don't really have any good sources to say that any of those people, you know, suffered. So, okay. Um, in Tacitus, we read about how uh, Nero took Christians and put them on crosses and set them on fire and used them as torches. Tacitus was not a Christian, right. by the way. He's not writing something no, to make Christian those, martyrs but, look good. But those people... He actually mocks Christians. Position. Right. But those Christians were the second generation Christians, right? Those were... Not, Nero was Caesar when Paul was killed. Uh, understood. But, but we don't know that... Again, you, you want to say that Jesus appeared to the 12. That's what we were originally started with. So appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. And I'm saying, of those 12, who are the only people we can verify, like nothing that Nero did is necessarily happened to Bartholomew, necessarily happened to Matthew, necessarily happened to, um, you know, to John okay, so and, and James. Like, can I interject real quick just to let you guys know? Um, yeah. we're, we're, we're coming up on the 90-minute mark. So um, we're probably okay. going to roll for about 10 more minutes just to kind of let right. you guys know so you can steer the Well, how about we move on to a different can topic, we, Paul? You can to pick empty tomb? what you want to talk about. What? All right. I'd love to talk about the empty tomb only because – not only because um, – Gary Habermas at, in the at – the, I wrote, wrote it down for myself. Um, at the CES conference in 2017 – uh, stopped using the empty tomb. Gary stopped using the empty tomb as one of his basic facts because he couldn't, it did not, no longer considered it to be adequately attested as a fact. Was that something you're aware of? Did you build that into your thing? He doesn't, well, I'm not, I mean, and when I say I'm presenting the empty tomb, I'm doing that on my own. Uh, Habermas doesn't present right. it because his minimal facts case is this is what's a consensus view and the empty tomb is not consensus. However, it is a majority view. And I think that we should still at least consider something if it's a majority view, even in a hotly debated issue where the empty tomb becomes something where it's like, dude, that's solid evidence for Jesus. You can expect that people have worldview issues on, on the topic. So it's nice right. that there's but even the empty, a majority. 
the empty tomb is only majority when you look at New Testament scholarship scholars, not historical scholars, and that's why Gary had to remove it. It's it's. Do you have a source for believe, that? Uh, just Gary, at his uh, at his speech. I don't think he says that. I mean, I'd like to I'd, I'd like to hear it and read it. I I don't think he says that. Okay. Um, I but, think that I think that's a mistake. Uh, I mean, and, and again, he's the only one who's done this, you know, supposed thing. I actually, no, I, I would back that up with the Bart Ehrman, uh, William Lane Craig debate. Um, you know, Bart actually laid out, again, what, what historians do versus uh, New Testament scholars. So I'd point you to that debate as well. Uh, Bart, Bart also uh, refutes, and no surprise probably to you, Bart doesn't, you know, accept the, the empty tomb. Uh, but you talked about the empty yeah. tomb in terms of uh, chronic, uh, the um, principle of embarrassment. Um, again, it's well known that um, women at the time, you know, were the ones who looked after the body. So it, it makes total sense that Mark would have, not only would Mark have done that because that was the custom of the time, it would have been weird if the apostles lowered themselves and went, were the first ones with the tomb. But also Mark's whole gospel, and you've probably heard me say this before, Mark's whole gospel is actually uh, to say that the outsiders were the ones who recognized who Jesus was and the disciples were the ones that, that didn't. So I don't find the chronicle or the principle of embarrassment to be particularly compelling in general. It doesn't seem to be used by historians outside of the New Testament scholarship. Um, okay, so you, you two, two claims there that are really big. You made two really yep. big claims there. One is about the nature of Mark and the other one is about the criterion of, embar criterion of embarrassment or dissimilarity. Um, I looked this up because in one of your videos, you said, let's talk about the criterion itself. You said that only, quote, only theologians use the criterion of embarrassment. Um, but then I found a lecture from Bart Ehrman, of all people, talking about all the historical criteria. And he included in it the criterion of embarrassment or dissimilarity. And I encourage people to go and look it up on your own. Yes, this is legitimate. Basically, it goes if like I this. It's not, it's not as... I'll actually grant you that. If I said theologians, I, I, I misspoke, but it seems to be only people in the New Testament studies, and it doesn't seem to apply to any other. Um, and I'd love to see examples where the criterion of embarrassment applies outside of New Testament studies. It doesn't seem to be a thing. So it's, it's the criterion, it's this dissimilarity is the concept. And the idea is this, is that when we, when we look at the purpose the author has for writing, and we say, this is a fact that they're admitting because it's just true. They can't get around it. It's just true. They're not doing it because of their interests. Then that makes it more likely to be true. And you, you said this in the same video, which I thought was really strange, is you said that only theologians use this. You then said, I believe the disciples really fled after, at the crucifixion of Christ. They really ran and hid. And he says, because it was just so well known, they couldn't hide it. So they included it in the story, which is you using the criterion in the same video where you're saying it doesn't exist. Um, I have to wrap my head around your logic there. Um, no, I, I just believe it from human nature, I guess, but you're, Okay. I'll, um, but do you think the criteria of embarrassment applies outside of New Testament studies? Like, have you, are you familiar? This seems to be yeah. something that. I think it's uh, good for evaluating of, testimony again, of any kind. There's lots of reasons why. Okay. Sorry, I, you know, I spoke over you and I didn't, didn't quit. Yeah. The, the second thing you said was about the gospel of Mark. And you said that in Mark, the theme in Mark is the disciples don't get it, but outsiders do. And that's, that's just mm -hmm. not true. Like he gives them the parables and then he explains it to only them. Um, 
they're the ones that do get it. It's, it's, it's Peter that is the one who kind of has the inside knowledge on who Jesus is. This is something I've heard that, um, that it's like the women find the tomb to be some sort of poetic theme in Mark. Like if you really study Mark, that's, that's just ad hoc. That's just thrown out there. I, I know that you didn't come up with that, but, so, but the guys so let me, that you like, study Mark, that's not the case. Well, there's a uh, centurion, non, right? Yeah. Does the centurion no, ad hoc the means non-evidenced should... assumption. Yeah. It, that's a non-evidenced assumption. You don't mean after the fact by ad hoc. You... I mean, I mean a non-evidenced assumption. You, it's. I just made it for this. Okay. I just. This is. This is the. Yeah. Um, um, well, that that's what people people who study the Book of Mark they they agree that that is a theme. Like, and maybe not all the scholars agree, but certainly lots of people look at the book of Mark, Christians look at the book of Mark. And that there's a theme that, that, that women, and the theme has to be used that, in a specific way outsiders, The theme is that women will get, will, will be the witnesses of Jesus. Whereas the disciples themselves who are the ones to be the witnesses of the resurrection, they won't for some reason be the ones to discover the tomb. Well, it just seems like this is made up to well, avoid means, the idea that it's embarrassing. Well, but they, if, if that wasn't the case, Mark doesn't even... Wait, wait. All, right. All right. Paul, we have three minutes. Um, um, so go ahead and start okay. wrapping this up, and then we'll be asking uh, questions from, from people that have messaged us some so, questions that we're we'll going to be asking. So. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll just close that. So if, if, if indeed what you said was true, Mark, I would think that Mark would include the disciples actually finding out about it. But Mark ends without the disciples ever finding out. The centurion knows who, what's happening. The women know what's happening. And uh, the women from before are, are the ones who recognize who Jesus is and, and all that stuff happening. Um, okay, this will be the last again, thing I say before questions. I guess I'll, I want to respond to the, end, the ending of Mark. Um, at the end of Mark, if you, if you just read more than the very last verse of what we're considering to be the authentic Mark, right? Um, so he says, uh, do not be alarmed. The, the messenger says to them, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And then they say, it says, and they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. That phrase said nothing to anyone is used another time in Mark. And it's in Mark 144. And that is used when Jesus heals a leper and he tells him, go to the priests and show yourself to the priests. But on your way there, say nothing to anyone. The idea is that the women on their way to hear, to see the disciples and tell Peter and the disciples, they said nothing to anyone. It was an incredibly dangerous time for those women to open their mouths and say, Jesus is alive again. They were to go straight to the disciples and just tell them. That's the context of Mark. But of course, in the other disciples, their gospels, they do immediately the opposite of that. They go and run and tell Peter. Anyway, um, all of, so I wanted to, just, I would just love to end with, so from my perspective, a miracle happening is the least probable thing that a historian could, could come up with. So again, it's not impossible. There's certainly you could prove that a miracle happened, but you would need a lot of evidence. Uh, what we have so far is we have evidence of one person who admits that he saw visions and all we need is one other person to think that they saw Jesus and you have a very mundane claim that people were either mistaken or lying. Two people were mistaken or lying adequately explains everything that we've discussed, all the facts that we've discussed, the three very basic facts. Um, so 
I don't see that we've seen anything tonight that requires a supernatural event to explain the facts. Even if a supernatural event explains it very well, um, there's nothing that requires it. So uh, from my perspective, certainly a resurrection, uh, we don't have enough evidence to say the resurrection happened. And that's, that's my end statement, I guess. I believe you were invoking um, Kyle's razor there, Paul. Mm-hmm. The least, uh, the the least exciting of two proposed um, explanations is always the the, the truest. <laughs> the least exciting. Um, Could so, I have a a, a, a a one minute wrap up since uh, Paul got one of those? Yes, I was getting ready to go to awesome. next. Oh, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay, so. So my case was to present these sort of three widely accepted facts. I added a fourth that is a majority, you know, believed in fact that just kind of adds a lot more support even to my case. And that the most reasonable explanation is the resurrection of Jesus. Paul kind of went back and forth a little bit. I'm not sure how much of the facts he agrees with or doesn't agree with um, or how, but he seems to think the conclusion is likely if it's possible. Okay. Yeah. The miracle really explains the evidence, but miracles are impossible. So that's a whole different issue. We didn't really discuss my point here is to say, unless you assume that it's impossible, it is actually the best explanation. Unless you give it such a low probability that, that no evidence would matter, and you have like a kind of vague definition of extraordinary evidence, unless you do that, then you have the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus as the most, that's the most reasonable explanation. Um, that means that unless I have a priori, my worldview tells me Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then I have a really good historical case for the resurrection of Jesus. And if I have an a priori worldview that says that Jesus didn't raise, then the truth is I don't care what the historical evidence is. I'm just going to try to work my way around it because I've already decided that doesn't happen. It didn't happen. It can't happen. So, okay. Thank you. Uh, that was, uh, that was fantastic guys. Um, love that. So uh, we're going to, we're going um, yeah, to, thank you Paul. Some, some questions from the audience. I'll kick off with, um, this is to Mike. Uh, is there any consensus of New Testament historians that you do not accept? <laughs> That's either from Doug or from Cam. Dead I'm on. Sure. Dead on. <laughs> they always that, ask me that. That was brilliant. No, that was good. You must be psychic. That's the only explanation. You know, <laughs> That's proof of the miraculous right, right here in our midst. You're Jesus. Um, are there um, – yeah, yeah, I think there are consensus, but I'm not – I mean, that's not what this debate's about. So I don't think it's relevant to, to, to this case. Now, now, I will say this. If I disagree with the consensus of scholars on an issue, the onus is on me to give reasons for why I disagree. I can't just wave, wave my hand at them and say they're wrong. I've got to give reasons, you know, to support my case. There's a follow-up to that. Um, can you name three reasons that the Gospels may not be true? <laughs> no, why would I do that? <laughs> No, okay, that's, this is, this, I know it's Doug and Cam because they like these psychological tactics that are not really aimed at me. They're meant to be aimed at my viewers. D- Doug's, an assassin. Yeah. Doug's an assassin, man. I, I, by the way, um, they're giving you props for that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I have been talking to Cam and he's been talking to Doug, so <laughs> yep. really good. Um, wow. I'm impressed. Okay. Um, this actually is a question for Paul. Um, if you are, if you had a experience like Paul had walking on the road to Damascus, would you assume that you were hallucinating? And that's from um, GMD Apologetics. Um, I would seek. Uh, yes, I would probably assume I'm hallucinating, but I would seek the explanations uh, for for what was happening to me, whether 
there was something going on um, outside of what was going on. So that's partially why I, you know, mentioned that in Acts, even Acts talks about how the other people weren't seeing what Paul was seeing. Um, you know, I, I would be looking for external confirmation. I probably would, if I'm being fair, assume that I was hallucinating first, but I would seek, uh, again, I, I want to be, I would want, I think that's the default position uh, in, in this case, so. Okay. Um, I have a question when it comes to hallucinations. Um, Mike, you had mentioned something about mass hallucinations, but you, you are obviously familiar with the story of Our Lady of Fatima and the miracle of the sun, which was considered to be a mass hallucination of some kind. And again, mass hallucination doesn't mean they see exactly maybe the same thing, but they're perceiving something in a way that's similar to what everybody else is seeing. So if two people saw Jesus, they may not exactly see him the same way, but they're both experiencing something that they're contributing to be Jesus. So in the Lady of the Fatima, the miracle, like how would you, how would you not believe that, but you believe the, the resurrection stories? Yeah. So, okay, it's really important to me to answer this carefully because I want to be consistent. Like if I'm going to be rational, I can't just have one set of, uh, you know, views for when I believe Christian claims and a different set when I view claims that I consider not part of my Christian views. You know what I mean? I, I want to be consistent. So I, I haven't really researched into Fatima and all that, like whatever happened there. But let's say, hypothetically, we have a crowd of, say, 50 people and they all say we saw the same thing. It was visual. It was auditory. It was multi-mode. You know, it was not, I would say then, then I don't think it was a hallucination. I think you have 50 people that all say they saw the same thing. They probably saw it. That's the most reasonable explanation. Um, now, could, what could the cause be? Could the cause be um, some sort of godly spiritual apparition or could it be some sort of demonic thing? My worldview actually encompasses both of those options. So I, I think I have options of how to explain it, but I, I, would, I would consider it very seriously if, if I have you know, multiple, the same type of testimonies, multiple testimonies, eyewitness accounts. If later half of them said, oh, I think I was just being stirred up. I don't think I really saw anything that would, then I would lower my confidence, you know, but if they all maintained their views, especially under say getting fired from their jobs, getting persecuted from their culture, then I would have even more confidence that what they saw was real. Would you say though, at most, if you're really looking at it critically at most what you can say if you had that many people that believe something or that many people that claim they saw something at most and this goes to the criteria of embarrassment as well at most with that all you can get to to me is that these people believe that they saw something this is why they uh -huh. even with the criteria of embarrassment they 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 are willing to put forth they, like i as uh, apologia had mentioned earlier I've had hypnagogic hallucinations I've had auditory hallucinations in sleep divide type states Absolutely true story statement, right? I, so the criteria of embarrassment would be why would I be admitting to those things because of the embarrassment factor, although I, I think that by now people realize that people do experience those things. But wouldn't it be more likely that, the, that all you can get to is that they believed they saw something? How do you get from that belief to the, to, to the belief that they actually did see what they're purporting to see? Um, I, think if, I think it's multiple witnesses reporting the same thing. Th then I go not okay. So I can have one witness who's who convinces me that they believe they saw something that doesn't mean it's necessarily true. It depends on the witness depends on whether I trust them or not and all that sort of thing. Right. Um, but, but if I have multiple eyewitnesses who are all claiming to have seen the same thing, 
that's really strong evidence unless I have maybe a defeater for that, like uh, some, some reason why they would conspire together to lie about it. Um, half of them recant later on and change their minds. I mean, like, unless there's some reason, if they maintain consistent testimonies, even under pressure, uh, and they've all said they saw the same thing, that seems like really strong evidence to me. You know, this is, eyewitness testimony in that sense is pretty strong. Is there something wrong with, with my reasoning here that you guys can think of? So, well, Mike, you said well, like, you would lower your confidence if you would lower your confidence if, you know, oh, they were being persecuted, they're going to be fired from their job and they, they do stuff. Um, but what about the opposite? What if there is a community being formed around the people and they're being accepted and affirmed and they're constantly, everyone every day they're going and their in-group is saying, yeah, I remember when we saw, you know, that, that particular miracle happened. Um, is mm -hmm. that not equally likely that there's positive reinforcement for the thing that they think they saw? And, you know, how would you know the difference between the two, I guess? No, I, I think that's a good point. If there's positive reinforcement, then a person has actually reason to continue. If, say, it was a fabrication or a lie, they have a reason to continue in it because they're getting such great benefits of it. But we actually have a lot of examples of this where people, even with the positive reinforcement, they later recant. So like the whole, um, uh, I think it was Heaven, Heaven is for Real, that book, some little kid supposedly had a vision. His, his dad like stirred him up. As he got older, he, even though he was famous for it and they made a lot of money on it, he was like, I didn't have that vision. That was not true. And he just came out and told the truth. It messed his family up. I mean, here's criterion of embarrassment, right? Obviously the vision didn't happen. This guy's not going to throw his whole family under the bus very likely, um, you know, in order just to tell everybody it's not true. There's, there's these strong motives people have, you know, like the Book of Mormon, for instance. Um, it's pretty obvious to me that Joseph Smith conspired together with other people um, to try to bolster his lies about the Book of Mormon. But the majority of the people who were his witnesses ended up apostatizing and leaving the church. So, like, if, if we had, say even one early church account, one, uh, you know, about where Paul's like saying, Peter, the apostate Peter, after seeing Jesus, he still rejected him. Oh, what a fool. God deliver unto him what he deserves. Like if, if we had that, I'd be like, whoa, that's a serious well, problem. It is interesting to note though, none of those apostates, when they, they left the church, none of them actually said that Joseph Smith was lying. Just as a side note. Which was interesting. I mean, so they apostatized. Yes, I've heard that. I've heard. Yeah, you, and I know you were you were former Mormon, so you're familiar with this stuff. Right. Yeah. So I'm, well, I'm yeah. familiar with that. So, yeah. But I mean, yes, they yeah. did apostatize, but it is true that none of them did. Now, I have no say. Whether, they did join know, other beliefs that disagree with Mormonism, though. Right. Right. No, that's true. Yeah, and I don't believe that they just didn't openly say. I didn't see. I don't know whether he believes he saw what he saw. Right. That's the difference. You know, I have no idea whether he believed. I mean, I, that he actually mm -hmm. saw something. But he, I think that maybe he believes he saw something. There's a difference. But, let's read the but at chance. least it um, casts doubt on it, right? Again, I think it only gets you that the person believes something. It doesn't really get you to believe <laughs> that what they believe is actually exactly what happened. Uh, Sabaria, $5. Props to Tim O'Neill, atheist guest who agrees in Jesus' existence in history. And so a declaration that burden should be against the resurrection. Go Rams. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I like Tim O'Neill. Again, I'm not, I'm not involved in that mythicism back and forth. I have no dog in the fight. I think Jesus existed. I don't care one way or another. And whatever. Uh, Jamie Sislo, $5. Asking us, to, asking us to ask ourselves a question is by definition being skeptical. Why did you ask us to park it? I think that was to you, Mike. That? I'm not sure. 
Huh? Could you explain that question to me? <laughs> I think he's asking. I don't think either uh, of us asked the audience to park their skepticism. No, he did. He did. Mike did. He said, "Park your your skepticism for just a uh, second. The beginning. And I can't remember yeah. what the point was, but um, it, it was probably uh, it was a facetious. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. My my yeah. Um, my concern is that is that uh, everything I say can be dismissed merely by nature of me doing apologetics. Gotcha. And that to me sure. doesn't really help us think about people's arguments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get you. Uh, Seeker five dollars. This may be the reason Christians mistrust the peer review process. Their own version is extremely unreliably or unreliable heresy. Um, by the way, um, do you do you adhere to modern science? I mean, you're not like you're not a you're not a young earth creationist. All that you are somebody who accepts evolution and stuff like that, right? I don't believe in common descent. I don't have a problem with um, uh, speciation um, uh, or flu vaccines or any of that stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't have an, I don't have a position on the age of the earth. I feel like some days I'm old earth and some days I'm not sure. Um, okay. But, but I, but I also don't debate those issues and, and I don't do much on them in my online ministry because I feel like I don't know. I don't know it well enough to stand up and proclaim, so to speak. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So no, that's fair. So yeah, but no, I don't believe evolution. I I don't think common descent has been demonstrated. I think abiogenesis is is um, uh, impossible, or I should say, very nearly impossible. There's a bigger question though: well, Can a can a dog ever become a non-dog? Sure, why not? Because that would invalidate cool. evolution. It, it was. We'll have a talk on mind. that one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I believe in incremental changes over time. I just think that they have probably have boundaries. But again, I don't. That's not something I want to debate. It's not something that right, I yeah. stand that on a, the way I stand. Time. That on was an old Kent Hovind uh, the reference. He, he's famous for that question on here. Dog oh. don't produce non-dogs. No yep. kidding. Uh, Bohobo uh, twenty DKK. Four different versions of the resurrection. Why? I guess that's probably do you. I like that. Um, okay, so uh, N.T. Wright did a survey of the actual words used in the appearance accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And um, on one side, a skeptic will often say, these are contradictory accounts. You know, was it one woman or more than one woman? Who came to the tomb? What time of day was it? That kind of thing. But from the historian's perspective, like you're looking at, you're looking at witness testimony or purported testimony from witnesses, um, what you have is, the differences in the account really strengthen and bolster the idea that these are different traditions. In other words, there's multiple attestation for the resurrection appearances because they don't repeat word for word. They're not really one source. They're four different sources, which really strengthens the case for the appearances. But there's a lot of discrepancies between all four of the attestations, are there not? Um, oh, there's disc- discrepancies in the sense that there's differences. I don't, I don't think there's any contradictions, but I think that's a separate issue. Let's suppose that they're totally contradictory on the issues of how many women went to the tomb. Yet the fact that they would disagree then and be contradictory is just more evidence that this was a strong tradition, original, you know, source that these are all multiply attesting to. There really were women that went to the tomb. There really were multiple appearances of Jesus. And then the stories of those appearances, if you have a really liberal view, which I don't, you know, they adapted over time, but that still doesn't get you away from the appearances. Right, we're, we're saying there's a historical core, and the differences strengthen that. Um, if you have eyewitness testimony where everybody repeats word for word the same thing, you just think, oh, this, they all colluded. We've got one source. 
you have variety well, within the eyewitnesses. Words, we have multiple sources. The same event. The same account. I mean, I, I think there are some pretty significant differences, but we got to move on here. Uh, Serbia, $10. As the term gospel relates to Christianity teaching, by definition, can the Quran, Torah, or Kabbalah be accounted for since it does not teach Christianity, or are they gospels different despite the definition? Well, or excuse me, are they gospels despite the definition? So are they asking is wait, could you could you read that again? I I somehow just got totally lost in there. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's hard translating him because I, 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 I so I'm going to do the best I can. As the term gospel relates to Christianity's teaching by definition, can Quran, Torah, or Kabbalah be accounted for since it does not teach Christianity, or are the gospels despite or, or are they gospels despite the definition? So when we say gospel, um, we don't exclude the Torah from that. I mean, it's not, okay, the Torah is the, the, the five books of Moses, right? Um, right. We've, so that's, in, that's included within Christianity. Uh, the Quran uh, will actually teach against Christianity and specifically that God, God doesn't have a son and he hasn't begotten anybody. So that's actually anti, I mean, Islam is specifically anti-Christian. Islam teaches that Jesus never even was that's crucified. Right. So that's anti-gospel specifically, right? It it attacks a core message of the gospel. What was the other one? The Kabbalah. The Torah, the Quran. Huh? Kabbalah. The Kabbalah. And I don't know too much about the Kabbalah, so I don't want to try to off the, off the cuff give an answer well, to I that. Think, but... I think that's, a, that's more of a philosophy. It's more of a, a Jewish mysticism is the Kabbalah. I don't think that's not an actual book. And I would, I, I would just add to that gospel really just means good news. Like, I mean, I don't think like the, the label that is let, added to those four books it's just like saying if you had a real problem with the word pentateuch does that disavow anything like those first five books say not really it was a label that was added later. i i, th I think you'd agree with i that, think Mike, it's but... one of those things I, I think it's one of those things that is gospel with a big g it's relating specifically to christianity and if it's just gospel it's just the good news yes yeah, so if, if it's a theological term within christianity it has a specific meaning but the word itself just means good news yeah okay uh moving on here uh so be a um, $2,000, go Rams. $2 super chat. Thank you, Sophia. Um, Jr., $5. Yeah, woo. Um, no. Uh, I'm not getting any of these super chats, guys. Just letting you know. <laughs> in, in, Mr. In, Cook Jr., five, what's that? Go ahead. Oh? I was, uh, I was Mr. Cook saying Jr., in spirit. Five, in spirit. It's $2,000 in spirit money. Uh, $5. Based on Mike's epistemology, shouldn't, alien accept, shouldn't he accept alien claims from multiple sources? The simple point that people don't rise from the dead is enough. Because um, people have experienced alien abductions. Um, but that goes mm -hmm. back to what you kind of answered before, I think, unless you want to touch on that. I mean, yeah. why don't you accept alien claims? A couple things I'd say about that. If it's an alien claim, is it multiply attested? Like multiple eyewitnesses in one event, like we have with the, the 12 seeing Jesus, uh, multiple. Do we have uh, the conversion of the alien hater over to believing in aliens. And then of course we can affirm that an abduction of some kind took place without affirming that it was aliens. Just like I'm arguing for the resurrection of Jesus. I didn't necessarily argue that it had to be God who did it. Um, although I would, I would say that, but I'm saying that you could affirm the resurrection without even saying how it was accomplished. Um, so I could affirm that somebody, you know, you know what you got, you really were abducted. Look, there's medical evidence. There's, um, there's multiple people who saw it happen and confirm uh, under duress that they really believe this thing, then I would be like, yeah, you really got abducted. Um, whether or not it was an alien, that's a different issue, isn't it? 
Okay. Uh, Insidious Vis, $4. Paul? Yeah, I'm going to edit that. Paul? I think he's frozen. Yeah, I Paul, think Paul may be resetting. No, he got Paul, abducted. Paul, yeah, he got abducted. So we're waiting for Paul to get back. Let's finish these. Um, Insidious Vids, $4. Don't fight it, Paul. Jesus Don't fight was, it. Jesus was the original cross-dresser. <laughs> Jesus was the original cross-dresser. Knock, knock. Uh, Andrew B., $5. Mike Winger. The Bible proves the Bible is true. Uh, I don't think that's actually kind of what he's saying. Um, I think he actually is trying to expand a little bit upon the narrative of the apostles and the writings from from a historicity type of point of view. But to me, I don't take I, I, I whatever person's believed a long time ago. The most I can ever get to is that they believe they believe something. That's it. They they saw something. What they saw, I have no idea. I mean, every story I've ever investigated where people said they've, they've seen something of a supernatural causation, oh, 99% of the time you're going to find a natural explanation for. And the ones that mm -hmm. you can't, probably you just... We thought you, you got abducted, Paul. No, I, I went to, to, to you to ask you about the, uh, the alien thing. <laughs> yeah, and, it was, yeah. Um, you were gone. I was worried. Can't deal with aliens. <laughs> Tell us about the probe. <laughs> my, we always call it my Lucasfilm chip that, that they implant before us that... Makes sense. Tells us what we can and can't say. Makes sense. It shuts them down. Um, so wait, let me, let me share one thing real quick. Because you, you kind of answered for me on the issue of, you know, I'm not obviously saying the Bible proves the Bible. It's, it's way better than that. But, he does um, that a lot, Mike. But, uh, but the other thing was the idea that, um, you know, dead people don't raise, therefore Jesus didn't raise. That's the concept. And I, I would just say this. I'm not arguing that Jesus raised through natural causes. That's, it's not that through natural causes this happened. It's just that it's a historic fact that it happened. And unless you have methodological, methodological naturalism, you shouldn't rule it out as a possibility. But according well, to would, Steve, you actually, actually can, right, you actually can yeah, rise yeah, from yeah, the yeah. dead, um, if you remember Lo that logically. email from a month ago. Right. Log logically, is it possible? Yeah, completely possible to rise from the dead logically. No, There's nothing not. illogical about that. It's just no, it's physically impossible. It's, but it's impossible. It's not naturally, you, 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 as far as we know. It's yeah, everything you, impossible. You, everything. But, but you Logically, said, rationally. God couldn't even do it. <laughs> All of it. He would have to actually prove that with a logical proof. But you, you said what if, what if super thing. intelligent aliens well, Mike, hang on. Mike, hang on. did, you said, did it, you said, and they're just more advanced than us? Mike, yeah. you, you, said, you said, though, that the resurrection was a historical fact, and I think that's completely disputable. If the resur resur resurrection was a historical fact, everybody would be a Christian. It, it, you can argue that it might be a historical fact that he was he existed and maybe even crucified. That's something we can validate. You can never say it's a fact that he was resurrected on uh, like that, like historical fact, because we don't know it's a historical fact. Well, I mean, obviously, I think it is a fact, fact. but but I, I think there's a problem with that, Steve, is that you're you're suggesting that if something's a fact, everyone's going to believe it. No, I'm suggesting that it's if it's a fact that it has to be something that's ontologically true, right? A, fa a fact is what correlates to a truth. Now you yeah. believe that the on faith that he rose from the dead, but there's no there's no ontological fact that corresponds with that. You're just asserting that is to be a fact. So you're asserting it's, it's not a fact. It's not true. No, I'm not. No, I'm asserting that so I have it no might be true. On sure, absolutely. Okay, yeah, well I'm, I'm the one that's I'm the one that's, the one that's <laughs> so saying that I might be right in your view. <laughs> dead because it's not logically impossible. There's nothing in logic that says you can't do it. There's yeah. no contradiction there to say it's logically impossible. Yeah, but but something being a fact has nothing to do with how many people believe it, right? It, it, if it's a fact, it's sure. a fact. Period. Um, and I do think that the resurrection of Jesus is a fact, and I think that these other historical things that people can agree on, they point strongly in that 
at the at the factual nature uh, of the think resurrection. It's, think it's a fact, but it is. But a Muslim would say it's a fact that Muhammad struck the moon and split it in half. To Cleaved them, that's it, a yeah. fact. But he's Cleaved wrong. It. Cleaved it. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, look. But that's I'll, why it's not. A, I don't. I don't think you can assert this. Allow me, facts. you guys, to to not to give what is an actual fact that we can all we all know to be true, even though some of us um, deny it. Pineapple does not go on pizza. That is a fact. And yet there that's are people an, that is a, all across the country that will put pineapple on pizza. It just makes a flatbread at that point. Yeah. Delicious flatbread, but Sometimes pineapple it's on pizza doesn't exist. Oh, uh, Mike, we're having some audio issues from you. I'm just, you <laughs> yeah, Mike, we, nice, nice meeting you, Mike. Take care. Pineapple. <laughs> How many more what kind of heathen are you? Uh, three. Sometimes. Intellectual icon uh, classroom, $5. Please ask about well-explained, understood ways cohesive groups normalize their memories. Isn't that the most likely explanation to your shared vision? Somewhat, yeah. Uh, what do you think, guys? I mean, I, do you guys think that people do kind of normalize their accounting of an observation? Do you have similarities? I think that we need to have some kind of evidence that suggests that there's a parallel example for what we see in the first century that somewhere... In, in history, we have a parallel example of that. It's too easy to just say, maybe they hallucinated, even though we have no, we have no evidence of that kind of group hallucination. There's, there's just nothing. Um, maybe they normalize their memories, but you know, give us an example of like an actual group of people who had this kind of memory normalization held to it under the kind of duress that the disciples held to it. And then, you know, went from, I mean, they went from fleeing to preaching the gospel. They went from running for their lives to offering their lives. Um, these are all really important elements. You've so if we generalize of, too much, we lose the details. To, the end of, to, make, to make this a parallel example, you've added a lot of assertions that I don't think are historically necessarily proven. You haven't necessarily proven that anyone other than Peter and Paul teach uh, these things. You haven't proven that prove there was a even... You know, but, but, um, but I, there obviously are... Like you're adding, there obviously are examples of groupthink that that change memories. These are, you know, there's a yes. lot of studies you can look at this stuff. Um, so Is there one that's a, maybe on a parallel extra... to what we're talking about? Well, but the, you're, the, but you're the, the one who's now qualifying what makes it parallel. You're you're saying, well, this doesn't, well, this doesn't happen because you know they were under duress. When actually, being under duress is one of the things that makes, you know, is one of the factors that makes some of these things more likely or being tired or being you know, having your life turned upside down or having someone die. Those are all factors that we know increase the likelihood of these things happening in psychological studies today. So, I mean, the fact that you want to add those other things on, even though we haven't necessarily proven them just feels like you're, you're the one shifting the goalposts on that. Okay. I, I, I mean, right, let's get can you give me an example of something I've guys, added on to, here that I haven't. Mike, we have to start wrapping this up. we got about four minutes, and yep. we have to All go right, we'll, we'll leave you it tigers, You Tigers are, are round two. wanting to uh, uh, wanting to continue. Let's do a round two. Yeah, <laughs> Down that, the road. that's awesome. Seriously. Um, a lot fun. more questions we could probably get to, yes. Two more Super Chats. Godless Engineer, $5. How do you explain the connections between the empty tomb discovery and the book of Daniel? I, I don't even know what connections he's referring to. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I think Godless Engineer is a, is a mythicist, if I'm not mistaken. And so I think he sees a lot of connections that I probably would actually say aren't. Okay. Um, time, $2. This can only be settled by a wet t-shirt contest. I'm sure Shannon would be really happy of that 
for all of them on a wet t-shirt. I'm not going to be in a wet t-shirt. Um, I don't have the nipples for it. Godless engineer, um, send me what the what connection you're talking about, and I'll forward that over to Mike, and maybe Mike can um, get I'll that answer for you. Because I don't know what the, that connection is either, so I can't um, speak to that. But I'll find out for you. Sounds good. And that's it for the Super Chats. Okay, well, um, that was that was hella exciting. That was awesome, guys. We we should do a um a round two uh and let you guys kind of based on this. Yeah, Mike, I I really enjoyed that. I hope I hope I didn't come across as I as if I didn't. I love this kind of conversation. No, thank you, thank you, Paul. I would if if we do it again, maybe we can talk about the possibility or impossibility of miracles, since that seems to be a big issue that we didn't really get much into today. Okay. I think it's a good Just idea. An idea. And and you guys can I tell you what you guys watch this you know um, either this weekend or whatever and you can kind of maybe come to a uh, uh, like a, a specific topic if you want to go with miracles that'd be great too but maybe you both will watch this again and see you know an area where you want to kind of hit back again so we would love to have you both back um, uh, maybe 17 times for you uh, Mike and then that would make about 78 for uh, for you Paul so. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for having me. I I really do appreciate it, and uh, I hope I hope that uh, I hope that it made a difference for you. <laughs> in it, some was, way. it was great. It was great. Um, and go ahead, guys, and um, to close out, let everybody know your your channel again, where to find you, and um, follow you, and all that good stuff. Uh, Paul. So Apologia, spelled P A U L O G I A, is my channel on YouTube, and uh, I do pretty regular videos looking at the claims of Christians. Uh, it has been focused a lot on science, but I'm moving it much more into Bible and theology since that's actually my strong suit since I used to believe young earth. So, uh, anyway, that apologia, find me there. And make sure that when you, if you go to tweet at him on Twitter, don't make the mistake that I did today and forget the O at the end of the, um, the names because, uh, that poor yeah, guy there's today, stuff, there's someone out there named, <laughs> someone out there named Shannon Q and someone out there named apologia who really hate us. Yeah, the Shannon Q, uh, the Shannon Q lady is awesome. Um, I actually follow her. She's as sweet as she can yeah, be. Geez. But um, the poor, the poor Paul, like, uh, Paul G. Guy. YouTube people keep talking about. <laughs> that raises a bigger question. And you know, where's the other guy getting Paul Gia from? Like, I feel like you should sue Paul. Let's 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 talk okay, about well, this. Okay, well, sure. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Well, there's there's some other Mike Winger on Twitter. I'm not. I'm Mike Winger II. So you know, what? go figure. We're all we're the world all is small, man. Days. The world is small. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my stuff is just Mike Winger. Just look me up on YouTube, or you can go to uh, BibleThinker.org, where I've just got a ton of free resources organized by topic and searchable and all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again to both of you guys. We'll be back here tomorrow, where uh, last week's discussion will be taking place. Doctor Ward, I spoke with him today. He's all set and ready to go. He's actually a. Um, a, it's going to be a really cool discussion. He's going to talk about the uh, the effect that uh, the CFCs had or played back on, in the um, you know in the heyday of those on the environment. And he is uh, I didn't know this, but he is actually a pretty leading expert in this field. I knew that he had, he sent me a couple of papers that he had done, but um, I was researching it more this past week. And he's done a lot of stuff, and um, the things he's going to be talking about are really cool. So you're going to want to. No matter what side of the argument you're on, although I can't wrap my head around the fact that there is another side to that argument, there should only be one side, but maybe tomorrow we'll be able to pull you over to the, the right side of history and um, save the planet. So 
plan on being here with us at 8 p.m. tomorrow Eastern. And, um, yeah, I don't have really anything clever to say. I was going to go with take care of yourself, but that's uh, Don Lemon, I think. Um, so we'll see you tomorrow. I was take care of each other. God, I did it again. <laughs> I, I, I sit here and wait. I'm used to I'm used to David uh, taking us out to the closing card. So I'm just sitting here like, okay, all right, Dave, come on, hit that closing card. I have to do it. Oh, <laughs> I have to do it. Okay. Didn't he say? Didn't Didn't Lemon say be good to each other? Maybe. Okay. Well, if he did, then that's totally mine, and no one should steal it. That's what I'm. <laughs> all right. Good night, everyone. <laughs>